In these bleak days, humanity is at a breaking point. Economies are tanking. The woke mob is canceling everything. And the little guy who's just trying to run a small business is getting screwed from both ends. But not all is lost. Amidst the chaos, two men offer up their voices in the darkness, dropping 2,000-pound laser-guided truth bombs on today's lunacy. Introducing the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. All and outs, out of touch, out of mind. It seems like a lot of that's going around these days. But I would say in terms of pop duos of the 1980s, they're certainly in the top three or four, Brad. Don't you think Hall and Outs, Daryl Hall, John Oates? Uh, top three or four pop duos of the 80s. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, you have Sonny and Cher, right? Captain and Tennille, right? Tony Orlando and Don, Hall and Oates, and the Pointer Sisters. So there you go. Well, There's and Wham. Wham. I think Wham was a group, my friend, a group. Oh, uh, no. It's just two of them. Well, I can't were, remember the other guy's name. It was Andrew something. They were, they were ahead of their time, though, boy, were they? Yeah. Well, it's David Pridham and Brad Sheaf back here for another week of action-packed drama here on the program. And, uh, of course, Brad, as everyone knows, you and I, we mean business. Correct. Of course, you can learn more about our show where we mean business on our website. That's ipfrequently.com. Uh, you can get us uh, wherever you get your podcasts, IP Frequently. Um, we are an up-and-coming podcast, Brad. Some people would say the largest business podcast in terms of mass uh, ever created. And, and, of course, remember to subscribe, rate, and review, and then recommend our podcast. And we are now, uh, as, we, as, we, as we've told you, officially full-time over at Salem. So that means we can participate in the football fantasy pool, the NCAA tournament, Brad, we'll be getting an extra day off for the holidays. Um, And so it's a very uh, exciting time in the land of IP frequently where we mean business. We arm you with information that you need to keep your small business afloat in this morass out there where you see governments trying to take your money, people trying to take your goods and, and rob your, your, your shop, uh, various sundry items. Um, we give you the information you need to prevent that and to uh, actually impress your friends at the, at the water cooler. But Brad, the first thing I want to tell you is this week, our president is going to give a speech at Independence Hall, Independence mm-hmm. Hall in Philadelphia, by the mm-hmm. way, which has been mm-hmm. gone to hell in a handbasket. Uh, these past few years with crime and, and uh, drugs and all sorts of stuff about the fight for the soul of the nation and how all this paranoia has to stop on the right. Uh, and so, <laughs> of course, yeah, the, uh, the the president's giving this speech. And you know what? I took a deep breath, closed my eyes, went to my happy place. And I'm not going to lie. I feel a little bit a little bit worse. Yeah, no, it, it is simply unbelievable that a guy who told the United States at a point in time when the citizens thereof desperately needed to hear it and were willing to believe anyone who would say it, 
that his objective in becoming the chief executive was going to be to reunite the country, right? Because there is no question, and you can cast blame in almost any direction for this and be right, which is odd, that during the Trump administration, some real divisions had begun to make themselves apparent within the American citizenry. And here you've got Joe Biden saying, listen, I, that will be my primary objective to to fix that, to repair that, to bring us back to some degree of normalcy. And if anyone had looked into Joe Biden's past, it would have been relatively easy to figure out, well, that's probably not going to happen. I mean, the guy's never told the truth about anything, and he blows with all of the political wins. Um, but people wanted to believe it. He was saying it. And so they voted for him. Right. And now this same guy who ran primarily on that, hey, Trump is a bad guy, he's dividing the country, we can't have that, you need to vote for me, I will fix those problems. That same guy is referring to the almost 75 million of his co-citizens who voted for Trump as semi-fascists, right? I mean, he came right out and said that, you know, if you're a Trump kind of person, then you are a you know, a semi-fascist. I don't even know what that means. I don't think he knows what that means. I don't think anybody knows what that means, but that's what he said. And that goes right in line with many of the other things he said about the Georgia voting laws, et cetera, where he has just taken, you know, half of the voting public and thrown them into a group of, you know, mindless fascists who are seeking to, you know, ruin democracy and, and you know, somehow take over the world. And so that... That guy is the one that's going to go give this speech at Independence Hall. And it's gotten so bad that even the folks at NBC, which, you know, is unapologetically liberal, right? I mean, that, that is a network that is unapologetically on the left. They like it over there. That's where they feel like they belong. Everything they produce at NBC is spun in that direction. And that's fine. I mean, they, they are a privately held organization and you know they can certainly take whatever spin they want but when that organization is coming out and saying hey you know you're really not trying to unite the country when you make these incredibly inflammatory statements when when those folks are coming out and criticizing biden in that respect it's come off the rails yeah and so on the one hand you've got biden who hasn't done one thing to unite anyone since he became president. And, and you know, our, our, if you look at the history of this country, it's always you, you sort of reach these tipping points and then you come back from the brink, usually taken back by some movement or politician who is reasonable and recognizes that in order to get anything done in this country, there has to be meaningful, right? There has to be compromise, right? And Nothing really has happened in this administration via compromise. Nothing happened in the last administration via compromise. Nothing happened to the administration before that via compromise. So you have this, you know, 30 some odd year period where the parties didn't come together on anything other than short term debt relief and the TARP bill to bail out the banks. And so it, it's it's um, it, it's disturbing. And if you're a small business owner, and this is where, Brad, you and I pivot and talk for a minute about business, you really don't have much certainty about anything because you look at this and the biggest, most sweeping reform this president made is pushing through uh, billions of more dollars for the IRS on a straight party line vote 
through reconciliation with the vice president breaking the tie. And you can only imagine, you can only imagine what the other side will do when they have that power again. And it's just mortifying and it's all tit for tat. It's all incredibly, incredibly personal. And no one calls anyone on it. I mean, everyone's been celebrating this week because uh, President Biden's approval ratings are up into the low 40s from the mid 30s. And, you know, on the other side, you've got, uh, you know, Trump running around uh, denigrating anyone that would potentially even challenge him in a in a Republican primary. And nowhere do you hear anyone talking about any issues other than the you know, building up the IRS, Green New Deal, and uh, um, forgiving student loan relief for graduate students in gender studies. I mean, it's it's disturbing. There are no ideas driving a movement. There are no people that can, can come above it. And you know, when you look at someone like Trump, I truly believe that what has to happen is some Republican candidate needs to get him in a debate in a primary and needs to go after him, go after him on what happened to the last administration. Say, look, you did some good things, but you have an ego that's out of control and you can never be president again and sort of embrace some of his policies without embracing the personality that's truly you know, manic, if, if nothing else. Um, and I think the same thing could happen on the, it should happen on the other side with Biden, but I'm not confident that either is going to happen at this point. No, I mean, and that's incredibly unfortunate, right? I mean, we're just stuck in this rut for, you know, probably the next election cycle, right? So in 2024, there's a probability. I, I, I mean, again, I'm not wishing anybody any ill. I mean, I, I did, did you see the video of the first lady moving the president while he was engaged with the press, like literally walking up and pulling him back? I mean, that has to be, you know, just, I, I mean, it was, it's unimaginable to me. I mean, I'm just not sure that, that, that Joe Biden is going to be able to run in 2024. But if he is, he probably will. I don't know whether folks will look at Trump if he remains viable coming out of this, you know, DOJ investigation, whether you like it or not, is is immaterial to the question, right? I mean, it's going to impact his political viability one way or the other. And if it happens to push him into more viability, you are for sure going to see him in 2024. And I don't know if any Republican wants to spend their political capital going up against him. Guys like DeSantis may just shrug their shoulders and go, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not getting into that. I'm not going to sully myself with that. Let him have his time. I'll see in 28. I mean, I don't know how the whole DeSantis is, but he's young. Yeah. Right. But I could not agree with you more that the first party who figures out, hey, if we're not just rabid, crazy, fundamentalist wingers of you know right or left if we just try to play it a little bit down the middle showing a willingness to compromise showing a will willingness to govern right recognizing that governing always takes compromise that party will stay in power forever i don't care which one it is but they can't do it right it's to you as you said it's become so personal it's become so divided it's become everything is a test of orthodoxy on either the right or the left that you can't govern that way and and i don't i, I don't know what's going to happen i mean I, I think the best comparison is probably how crazy things got under carter although he was nowhere near the lunatic that biden or trump are and i think he was honestly trying he's just you know kind of an odd duck but you had mortgage rates at 13 percent. i was talking to my old man this week and he had a mortgage at 13 percent 
right? And it was just unsustainable. Gas was through the roof, you know, many of the similar kinds of things that we're seeing now. And then you got a Reagan, right? Kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, obviously he was the governor of California, so it wasn't nowhere, but I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere. A lot of people didn't really know much about him other than he'd been an actor. Turned out to be great for this country, right? Even though his last four years, it was his staff that was propping him up as he unfortunately fell, you know, worse and worse in Alzheimer's. But buddy, unless we get somebody like that who kind of comes out of left field and takes over, we're in real trouble. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, and I think the problem is that people are so dug in um, on both on both sides of this that, uh, and it's become so personal, and no one can compromise because compromise is obviously a sign of weakness. That you know, there's no way uh, there's no way around it. We're in a we're in a world of hurt. But Brad, uh, obviously, you and I both exist in the real world. Um, but we talked a couple of weeks about, ago about Mark Zuckerberg and the uh, metaverse. Of course, the metaverse is a lovely place. A lot of people exist there, uh, some for better, some for worse. We have now uh, problems regulating the metaverse. Of course, as you know, a lot of people's avatars uh, are accused of discriminatory conduct in the metaverse. Some of them are downright mean, nasty, don't want to play with the other avatars. Um, and, and, and it gets real personal, obviously, because you have some of these avatars who are uh, minorities, um, in fact, and you have the potential for uh, U.S. and international um, civil rights litigation, maritime litigation, if it's on the sea in the metaverse, taking hold. And so there's a lot of question about who has jurisdiction over what happens between avatars in the, uh, in the uh, metaverse and as the avatars interact and start to do commerce, right? Engage in commerce, Brad, mm-hmm. like the uh, founding fathers and the Indians did. Mm-hmm. Um, who's going to regulate that? And can we tax transactions that go on in the metaverse? And then who mm-hmm. keeps law and order in the metaverse? And obviously, this is something that's come uh, front and center as we've had instances where avatars have been killed by uh, other avatars. And uh, look, somebody has to somebody has to pay attention to this. So we obviously do. And um, in this week, uh, this week's uh, uh, segment on an update in the metaverse, Brad, I give you Jeremy Lee Pauly um, from uh, from I believe from uh, Pennsylvania, the Keystone State, mm-hmm. William named after William Penn, I believe it was uh, <clears throat> this week. Unfortunately, Jeremy Lee Pauly got a little ahead of himself in the metaverse. Uh, Brad, when he uh, allegedly purchased stolen human remains from a woman in Arkansas. Now, this is interesting because this is a $4,000 purchase in the metaverse, right? That included human body parts, including a a female pelvis, a torso with a nipple and four human hands. Um, $4,000 exchanged virtual hands in the metaverse. And then these, these physical, these are not... To, to answer your first question, these are not avatar parts. These are human body parts that were um, purchased in the metaverse. And so now Jeremy Lee Pauly uh, was arrested in the real world and is being charged with um, trying to buy human remains in the metaverse. Um, he also obviously has a history with this um, where he has purchased skulls in the metaverse and adult teeth. Uh, in the metaverse. So you're seeing, Brad, I think a lot of this start to shake out the way the founding fathers anticipated as the rules of the real world start to resonate with people and with avatars in the metaverse. 
But I, I, I don't even know what to say to any of that. I mean, that, that is, I mean, on the one hand, it's really no different than buying anything else over the internet, right? I mean, Amazon, you go to Amazon, you buy a book. I mean, you've effectively made a, a real world purchase. You, you expect a real book to show up at some point in time in your mailbox, but you know, the whole process has been virtual. You have not entered a bookstore. You have not engaged with a bookseller. You've just, you know, clickly clacked away on your keyboard there and maybe moved a mouse, maybe moved your finger on a touchscreen, you know, engaged in, in electronic commerce in the sense that, you know, no cash is exchanged hands here and boom, you get a book, right? So on the one hand, you know, this is really no different. On the other hand, it's just effing bizarre. Yeah. I, I mean, I, well, I set aside the fact that, guy, that apparently this is a guy who has made a habit of buying human remains. I, I guess I can fully understand why he's being charged with something. I would, I would <laughs> hope that would be against the law. I, I don't know why you, the person selling the human remains is not also being charged with something. I would think that either side of that commercial transaction should be forbidden but I, I just the whole idea of cartoons interacting in some I don't even know what you would call it made made up world made up universe and and then people think well this will be different because it's a made up universe for better or for worse right I mean anyone who thinks well humanity will adjust when they're cartoons right there will be no a-holes in the metaverse because everyone's a cartoon aren't wrong it's, they're still human beings you're going to get a-holes and anyone who thinks well i i probably can't buy a female pelvis in the real world but let me just become a cartoon here and i'll buy one from another cartoon aren't wrong you can't do that so i buddy i just, i i don't I, it, it baffles me that humans and and maybe this is just a comment on how bad things have gotten in the real world but it baffles me that humans seem able to convince themselves that things will be better whether they will be better in terms of we'll all get along better or they will be better in terms of i can engage in my sick twisted hobbies better if i do it as a cartoon folks none of that's true truly an interesting character and uh, Godspeed, um, Godspeed. Speaking of which, Brad, another update, as you know, one of the stories that we've received so much feedback on is the uh, story of uh, your good friend, Glenn Hirsch uh, from Queens, New York. Of course, that's the duck sauce killer. It's, it's a bizarre tale, Brad, right? Where, where uh, Mr. Hirsch ordered his um, Chinese food one night, um, the delivery person showed up um, with the food, with the order, but there was no duck sauce. And subsequent to that, the delivery person was murdered, shot. Um, and uh, it turned out that when the police searched the house, there were bottles of full f filled with duck sauce in the house and a cache of weapons that, uh, of course, Mr. Hirsch's wife is apparently being charged uh, for possessing. But now, Brad, now, the latest this story that never dies, the gift that keeps on giving, so to speak, is uh, that Mr. Hirsch's um, uh, will will has been entered into evidence by his wife uh, in her uh, weapons possession uh, trial. And it turns out it turns out, Brad, that this is more of a mystery than you and I um, initially 
um, thought it was, as Mr. Hirsch has claimed his innocence in this last will and testament. It's a six-page email, and um, he uh, he wrote this suit before he, he I guess he killed himself. Um, but he demanded that a proper investigation be conducted. He said his indictment is um, uh, an, an egregious uh, case of defamation and wrongful arrest. Um, he said it's a textbook case of sloppy police work. And he also, Brad, gave his theory as to who killed Mr. Yan, who is, of course, the Chinese delivery person. Hmm. My guess is that he... He doesn't include himself in the list of suspects there. He does not. He said it's either a stray bullet or the result of road rage, road rage. Mm -hmm. And he uh, also went on to assail the New York City crime wave that is uh, running rampant in the city. Um, he wrote this long um, uh, last will and testament. And um, he basically said, look, yeah, I do. I do like duck sauce. Um, but he did not kill in his, in his words, I'm not saying this is a fact, the delivery person. And of course he's not here to prove that, but this seems to be one of those unsolved mysteries, like the, um, the, um, you know, the murder of uh, Nicole Brown Simpson or John Benet Ramsey that we may never get to the bottom of. Well, yes. While at the same time, everyone knowing exactly what happened in, you know, both of those cases and in, this case as well, I, although I do, you know, I mean, I think it is unfortunate that, you know, maybe people are tying his love of duck sauce to the crime. It is not a crime to love duck sauce. There are certainly certain foods that duck sauce improves. I don't think any of us uh, would take a position contrary to that. But I, I also think most of us, whether you're you or you're your cartoon you, which, whichever you you choose to be, would, you know, agree with the fact that duck sauce is or the lack thereof is a legitimate uh, excuse for murder right like I, I don't think you you know no matter how much you love duck sauce and no matter how good it may be whether it's cartoon duck sauce or real live duck sauce you can't kill somebody for it buddy can't do that i i mean i guess that's right i thought we were through this the other the other day and you took a different approach but again i i'm not 100 percent certain Either way, it seems like it's an unfortunate situation all the way around. Maybe it's a misunderstanding. It looks like potentially there was a stray bullet. Um, there could be some tomfoolery afoot. I, I just don't know. Yeah, maybe some jackassery. I'm glad that Mr. Hirsch got a chance to make his last will and testament um, before his demise. I mean, that certainly should be helpful. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, and the good thing is they took the wife's um, cache of weapons, but she still has all of Mr. Hirsch's duck sauce that's still in the home. Hasn't expired. I don't think that stuff does expire. Was that mentioned in the last will and testament? Are we sure that she gets Mr. Hirsch's duck sauce or perhaps he leave that to someone else? Um, I am not, uh, I'm not exactly sure. He didn't mention it. You would think the first thing he would say in a, uh, a letter pleading his innocence is, look, I, uh, um, I didn't have to kill him. I had duck sauce. Yeah. Right? Well, he that, that would seem to be a mitigating circumstance. Yeah. Right. To say, look, why would I shoot someone for duck sauce when I have a refrigerator full of it? Yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good point. Uh, next, Brad, we get into something that all small businesses want to hear, which is our sort of our, our biz minute. This is a minute where we donate uh, our time, dedicate our time to the study of an issue that is critical 
to the future of America's small business. And this week, Brad, uh, the state of California has mandated that um, there be no more uh, fossil fuel burning cars uh, on the streets in uh, California after the uh, year 2030. Um, so that means all all the cars in California will be electric, where the batteries are charged by you know, fossil fuel burning plants. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there has been a study that's come come out by the great people at McKinsey, and McKinsey obviously is the big business consulting firm uh, run by the Knights Templar, I believe, and the Bindenberg Group, a couple mm-hmm. of the groups that killed Kennedy. Um, but uh, it, it they did a study on how. Uh, the demand for charging ports would have to be um, built up. It would have to be met by 2030 when this ban ban goes into uh, effect. And um, they basically came to the conclusion that we would have to build 30 million uh, EV charging ports um, between now and uh, 2030 in order for the uh, state of California to charge all these cars. And that means the ones that are available in public locations, not just in people's homes. Uh, that is 478 per day would have to be built um, until 2030 to meet the demand that California's uh, um, drivers are going to have once um, once we once they move on from uh, gas burning uh, cars. The cost, of course, is a modest 35 billion for this. Um, and that's, of course, only if half the drivers in California actually do end up switching over. So, um, Brad, this is, a, this is something that's coming up all over the place, right? New York is looking at this. Uh, Illinois, your, your former uh, stomping grounds, I believe you mm-hmm. served in the mm-hmm. state assembly there. I'm not sure. Um, they're looking at this. A lot of the woke states, Minnesota, looking at this. Um, but it seems like this conversion um, from uh, fossil fuels to green fuels, where the green fuels are completely charged by using fossil fuel burning plants, is really not going to uh, eliminate any of the uh, use of fossil fuels or the need for fossil fuels. And it's going to cost a lot of money. Oh, but I mean, again, this is this is like an extension of what we were just previously discussing, right? So you've got these folks who, you know, happily jump into the metaverse and think everything's going to be all rainbows and unicorns there, like somehow transitioning from your real self to your cartoon self is going to strip out all of you know the, the the negative aspects of your personality and everyone else's personality california has been living in the their own sort of metaverse for years right where they just make up a reality that they think would be better than the one that they're currently in and then they just mandate you know by caveat that that reality that they are making up is going to become the reality and don't trouble them with all of these you know annoying facts like you're going to have to charge all those cars like that electricity is going to have to come from somewhere oh by the way you're you're the state that regularly has rolling blackouts because you can't support your electrical needs now you're the state that regularly burns itself to the ground because your electrical infrastructure is absolute crap and every time one of those cables snaps, it starts a fire. And, and yet you want to add 30 million high voltage outlets in order to charge these cars. None of that is going to happen. It is impossible in your current state. I mean, you, from where you are now to where you want to go, there is no road. 
that you can drive on an electrical vehicle or otherwise and get there. Everyone knows it. McKinsey has explained it in great detail, but none of the folks that are sitting in the state house in California care about any of that, right? I mean, as far as they're concerned, the whole place is Disneyland. You just wish it and make it so. You click your heels together three times and you're going to solve all of these problems. And I don't know why the good people of California continue to put up with this. I mean, a couple of things on this. One, there's a possibility for full conversion from fossil to uh, green energy in the metaverse. And two, if you're drunk driving in the metaverse, like Nancy Pelosi's husband was recently, and we saw that great video where he couldn't even say the alphabet as he was pulled over after uh, dining out in Napa. Um, if you're if you're drunk driving, like Paul Pelosi or whatever his name is, is drunk driving in the metaverse, um, does he have to like walk the, the the straight line and say the alphabet, or does he just get off because it's an avatar? Well, he gets off in the real world. I mean, no, you, you know, we saw the DA, you know, literally twist herself into knots explaining why they weren't going to charge a a just obviously drunk individual with you know any sort of felony count of of DUI because I because he's Paul Pelosi, obviously, right? Just twisting herself in knots to say, well, you know, I mean, this isn't the kind of thing that we would. No one was really hurt. I mean, the guy that he ran into, their, both their vehicles were demolished. The guy he ran into has had to seek continuing medical care, but not, you know, I mean, he didn't like lose an eye or break his neck or, you know, burst into flames. So we're just going to let this one slide. So I guess if you let it slide in the real universe, you're certainly going to let it slide in the cartoon universe. Metaverse. And, and buddy, you, you, you just need the upside to the, to the metaverse is you just need cartoon energy over there. So yeah. you can make that any way you want, right? You just draw it in. So if you need like a power pole, you just doodle it in. And yeah. like the Roadrunner, run remember the Roadrunner? Yeah, exactly. He could run. Remember, he would hold up the sign. He'd run off the cliff. He'd be in the middle of the air and he wouldn't fall. And he would say, well, I never studied, you know, the law of gravity. And then pew, off he would go. You can do that in the metaverse. In terms of... Uh, the podcast world, the realm of podcasts, we have a new competitor, uh, the great Duchess of um, uh, the Duchess, Meghan Markle, Brad, uh, has started a new podcast and her podcast with Serena Williams, the greatest female tennis player of all time, um, uh, was the number one podcast this week. Uh, and, uh, and so, Brad, how does it feel now that the Duchess of Sussex uh, Megan Markle has joined the podcast realm and is now competing, competing one-on-one -on -one with those of us that mean business. We welcome it. I mean, I'm not exactly sure why people would tune in to that podcast. I'm not exactly sure what benefit uh, you think you would be able to get out of it, but obviously people do. And uh, so, buddy, I guess we'll just have to uh, have to just welcome them into the arena here and we'll see how things shake out over time. And we've done this 151 times. Let's see where they are, you know, 151 episodes from now. Who knows? I have a, I have a funny feeling she won't be doing a podcast 150 some odd episodes in. So, so far in her first show, she talked about, you know, and they, they remember they left the United Kingdom because they wanted to get out from the spotlight. They were worried about raising their, uh, their, their son and their daughter. Um, and uh, so they wanted to get out of the spotlight and they moved to Montecito, California, where they have play dates 
and polo matches. They have dinners with Gloria Steinem. Um, and so they outlined all of this uh, on the first podcast. Of course, it came out this week, Brad, that the um, the the house that they live in, it's like a $15 million mega mansion in um, in uh, Montecito, was purchased with, uh, with the help of Prince Charles, who is, of course, the husband of the um, Duchess of Cornhole. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of like the time. Remember, remember when you were young and you get a little frustrated at home and you looked at mom and dad and you say, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go run away from home for a little bit. You'd go run away from home. Usually I, if I did it, I'd go to my grandparents' house mm-hmm. and uh, you stay there for a couple of hours and, and then you eventually made your way back home. Unless of course, you know, your mother or father brought you like something to eat some sustenance um, and uh, you know, gave floated you a few bucks, right? If you right. maybe a saw buck, to tip the people over at grandma and grandpa's house to keep everything honest. Um, but it, it sounds like this whole thing about breaking away from the Royal family um, may have been somewhat of a ruse. Well, but I mean, again, I, you know, dysfunction does not arise overnight. There is always a root cause therefore, and you're continuing to see it play out here. I mean, you let your kid marry a moron and then you know you let him be petulant and spit in the face of not just the royal family i mean again you you have to if you have not been in england it's hard to imagine how much the royal family means to that culture right i mean it it is i know for those of us in the u.s we don't do the royal thing i happen to think that's the best way to go but if you go over to england i mean that is that is serious business that is meaningful you say something bad about the queen and that's like talking bad about someone's mom. You're going to wind up in fisticuffs if you do that with many of the folks in the United Kingdom. And then that includes Australia. That includes some parts of Canada. I mean, they take that very seriously. And so this is a guy who has not only spit in the face of his own flesh and blood family, but in all of the folks in the United Kingdom who have continued to support the royal family, both you know physically and metaphysically, he spits in all of their faces, and then his dad is like, "Well, that's okay, son. You know, let, let me just, you know, buy you something in an attempt to, you know, earn your favor and, you know, what, whatever." I mean, this is no different than the mom making the catastrophic mistake in the grocery store when the kid's flipping out. Mm-hmm. You say, "Well, okay, okay, okay. I'll, I'll get you what, what you want, right?" I mean, what you have just done is taught the exact opposite lesson of what you wanted to teach. Mm-hmm. Right? But it should come as no surprise. To anyone, and as long as you continue to spoil these people, and as long as you continue to treat them as though simply because of the family into which they were born, they are special or better or smarter or faster, this is what you're going to get. This is what you're going to get. Yep, I agree. And, and, and what's interesting, and I, I did a little bit of research, right, on this whole thing, because obviously this is the competition, right? So I, you have to go and listen to this. And so, um, and I didn't listen to it. I, I read about it. But hmm. one of the one of the great points of her initial podcast was where she said, first of all, she she's constantly under the you know, the scrutiny of the public and the, the, the press and everything. So in 2019, she goes to a performance of the lion king right on broadway which obviously is just is like death of a salesman what a great what a great show and a way to stay out of the spotlight by going to a a disney play um but she was told by a member of the cast when she met them afterwards in a private session that uh the south there's a member of the cast from south africa okay cape town Mm -hmm. um uh told her an unnamed by the way told her that uh 
in 2019 that uh, um, it was great to meet her and that she was held in pretty high esteem in South Africa. And uh, this South African unidentified said that the South Africans danced in the street when um, uh, she married the Duke of the Duke of Sussex, uh, the prince the redheaded prince um, in the exact same manner they did when Nelson Mandela was freed from prison. So in this sense, she's comparing herself to uh, the late great uh, civil rights leader, Mel Nelson Mandela, who of course protested apartheid and was jailed for decades, um, comparing her plight to his and her role as a, you know, as a, as an icon in South Africa, his, he, of course, eventually became the uh, president of South Africa. And she, I believe, is not on track for that yet. But what an ego. But it is remarkable, right? I mean, just, just think about that for a second. I mean, I'm sure everyone listening to this is shaking their heads and anxious, but just stop and think about that. Think about getting on what you hope is going to be a very public medium, your podcast. I mean, I assume people record a podcast. They want people to listen to it. You and I honestly sometimes wish people wouldn't. But, you know, generally speaking, you, you have a podcast, you hope people are listening to it. I'm sure in, in her case, she's expecting thousands too. And you take the opportunity that you have not to, you know, discuss any issues or be lighthearted or tell jokes or, you know, regale people with humorous stories or perhaps, you, you know, stories with a moral. I, you, don't, you don't try to do any of that. You talk about yourself right? You talk about yourself and then you talk about how great you are and how people just cannot wait to tell you how great you are. That's, that's how you take your time. That's the way your mind works is I'm going to take this time to describe my own greatness to the point where I'm going to, you know, just unquestionably make stuff up. Like I, I, I'm, I'm sure she was taken backstage because of who she is, but she's making up this individual that she's met it is a a very easily provable fact that that no one danced in the streets in South Africa when she married anyone for that matter. No one cares. And but yet to have the temerity to have this this self image that allows you to say this, to not only to just say it, but to actually expect people to believe it, and then you know kind of pat you on the back for it, putting yourself at the same level as you know, an individual like Nelson Mandela, who is in a category that maybe, I mean, tops, buddy, 10 people in human history are in, right? I mean, to, to have the courage and the wherewithal and the humility. I mean, if you read anything about that guy, it's amazing. I don't, I don't care what you think about South Africa. I don't care what you think about apartheid. I don't care what your politics is on it. Nelson Mandela was once in you know a 10 generations kind of human being and to, to, to just to even be able to put yourself in the same sentence as that guy is amazing and it will not be the last time that Meghan Markle does it 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 will not and uh, of course we'll continue to monitor this uh doing some of the opposition opposition research uh finally Brad last week we forgot we forgot to do barter band and people let us have it right obviously this is it's our signature segment and i'm surprised we even um the folks at uh, at salem didn't uh didn't try to extract their pound of flesh in the form of a nipple or a, a pelvis as part of that but this week we're back and we are ready to do a bard or band segment let's go and and a lot has happened this week right you have um 
all sorts of things that could be uh, talked about in the context of barter band. You have the the moon launch where they were launching that Artemis rocket towards the moon. And you had that. You had the woman who was walking and the girl, I think, who was walking around Philadelphia on a hot day with a um, I, I think she called it some sort of an emotional support alligator that was walking through a kid's little uh, splash pad in Philadelphia. Mm. And people are talking about banning the alligator. They're talking about banning the rocket to the moon because it had cracks in its O-rings and that might have been something else. Um, but this week, Brad, it's very clear uh, what the um, <clears throat> what the barter brand segment should be about. And it is we go back to the state of New York, right? Oh. The state of New York is taking steps necessary to make its streets safer. Of course, New York, you see people getting punched out all the time. You see car crashes, shootings, people getting killed over condiments, duck sauce, no duck sauce, hordes and caches of weapons. Um, and New York is stepping up this week and they are banning. They're, they're going to they're going to do something about it. And they are banning the sale of whipped cream to anyone under the age of 21. Makes perfect sense. I mean, when you look at some of the root causes of all of those social ills that you find sort of centered in the city there and then kind of spreading its way out as things of that nature have a tendency to do, like a plague. Mm -hmm. When you look at the root cause of that, it's minors running around. And who are these people's parents? But you got to ask yourself, it's minors running around with whipped cream, mm -hmm. right? I, I, I mean, you, you don't have to look very far as to what caused Rome to fall whipped cream. What caused Atlantis to sink into the ocean? Whipped cream. Yeah. Right. What caused the demise of the great Royal Navy of the United Kingdom? Whipped cream. Right. I mean, yeah. at, at the root of all of these things, you find miners with whipped cream, not, not, not guns, not being horribly educated by people with a just perverse sexual agenda. It's none of that. And I know those are not the things that you want to focus on. Those are what we call distractions. You want to keep your eye on the ball, and that ball comes in the form of whipped cream. That's right. Now, and I had an Uncle Guido, and this is the reason I, I, I had an Uncle Guido. Uncle Guido, he was by marriage. Um, he, he was married, I believe. I may have not even been my uncle, come to think of it, but he uh, at least dated my Aunt Anna, who was my grandmother's sister. Um, and, uh, and, and so he would sit there and he would eat two tubs of Cool Whip a day mm -hmm. and just eat them. You know, the tubs of Cool Whip. I do. Yeah. yeah he just open them up and eat them and he went insane. And mm -hmm. so I thought this is, this, this would have been good, even though he was in his seventies, this could have prevented that. And then I realized, no, they're talking about canisters of uh, whipped cream with nitrous oxide, which of course, Brad is also known as hippie crack. Hippie crack. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and so you have uh, young people who are apparently buying these by the case in New York City. Uh, they are using the hippie crack. They're going icky balooky and then they're running amok in the streets. So anyone who sells a uh, can of whipped cream uh, to anyone under the age of 21, it's a $250 fine. It goes up from there. And, uh, you know, the, the learning minute for our small business owners in our audience is don't sell canisters of whipped cream in New York City to kids under the age of 21, or you could get fined. And it does not apply, Brad, to tubs of whipped cream because the tubs of whipped cream are exempt. Yeah, well, they, they don't have the offending nitrous oxide. And once again, this is, this is what's called, hey, don't look over here legislation, right? Like, so 
Yeah, I, everyone is out touting this amazing, miraculous thing we've done where we're not, we're not actually interdicting the sale of nitrous oxide. We're interdicting the sale of whipped cream, which is one out of, oh, I don't know, 1,340,627,482 ways that you can legally purchase nitrous oxide. We're going to prevent the sale of whipped cream to anyone under the age of 21, and then we're going to parade around as though we've done some social good. It is ridiculous, and shame on you if you are in the state of New York and you are not writing to your representative saying, hey, how about you pay attention to the truly dangerous things that are happening on our street? But of course, that will not occur. Not going to happen. And, and Brad, I'm going to say um, they should probably let the free market decide this. So I'm not going to barter or ban it. But I am going to say this um, before we get your designation here. Uh, we have arranged for three cases of Cool Whip uh, with the, the the new Cool Whip in the in the can uh, to come to be brought in here. And everyone in the studio audience before they drive home is going to do at least four whippets um, as our gift to them. Oh, that's nice. That's uh, you know what? People will enjoy that. People, as long as you're over 21, buddy, if you want to enjoy a whippet or some hippie crack or a hippie whippet, which is, you know, sort of one of my favorites, I think you should. I think you should. Well, is it barter banned? What do you, what do you say? Well, no, I, I, I'm with you on this. I, I think that, uh, again, the invisible hand of the marketplace should weigh in here. I think we all agree with that. And I think that if you're going to use your barring or banning powers, as you may or may not have them, uh, that you should probably focus on things that are a little more dangerous to the society as we currently know it than the average, you know, can of crazy whip. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a good point. We've studied a lot here today, Brad, and I, I for one, have learned a lot. Yeah, as have I, and that's not uncommon. Uh, when you join us, as you should, every week with a sharpened pencil and a notepad, and I can promise you that we will be back here next week on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.